Thank you for downloading this episode of Case Notes. Case Notes was recorded at the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh as part of the Edinburgh History of Medicine seminar series. You can get news of our latest events if you follow us on Twitter at RCP Heritage. We hope you enjoy the talk. Okay, I'm short, so I'm just making sure that this is good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thank you everybody. Um, thank you all for coming tonight, and then just also thank the team for really just putting this together and inviting me. Um, I'm not sure if an artist tends to be part of the Royal College of Physicians, but I'm really glad to be here and share my work and my experience with you guys. Um, just a little more context about myself and my background. I come from Toronto, Canada, so all the way across the pond. and. My PhD is with the University of Southern Queensland, so the other side of the world, and um, that's focusing on contemporary art and the lived-in experiences of eating disorders. So what can art play in these conversations about understanding mental health? Um, I'm a lecturer at the University of Glasgow, and other than that, I run The Starving Artist, which is an artist initiative that's focusing on using these creative voices to really challenge and change our understanding of eating disorders as it's, um, as you guys will see tonight, it's been very limited and hopefully my art and my voice can help you guys better understand. Right, let's get into it. So just about me is for such a long time, I really thought that if I was thinner, I would be happier. And for years I was confined to my body with an eating disorder. It started off as anorexia at 13, but then later developed into bulimia and then orthorexia. And then for 10 years, I was suffering with an eating disorder. And I felt that nobody really understood what I was going through. I come from an Eastern European family where mental health was not talked about at all. And when I was in treatment, medical practitioners just saw a diagnosis and they did not see me as somebody suffering from a disease. So this really led me to start The Starving Artist and share about my experiences really just living with this torment and living in an unwell body. So my position both as a researcher and somebody with this lived-in experience is really just trying to challenge these current perceptions and the way that we go about understanding food and eating disorders. So the Starving Artist itself, like I said, is an artist initiative, but it's really focusing on changing these understandings through these creative voices. Um, we do many things, but it ranges from publications to exhibitions. We also um, do workshops with schools, even prisons sometimes. And I also work with treatment teams to really help create more patient-oriented experiences and allow for individuals to express what their eating disorders and their mental health issues are. Because I truly believe that everyone goes through some sort of complicated relationship with food and we need to create more ways to have authentic spaces to allow everyone to heal on their own. So the research impact overall has been great. It was originally just supposed to be one exhibition with five artists, but from there I gained so much traction and over 50 artists wanted to get involved and the publications got picked up by over 30 universities and I realized that there is this need for the voice to be heard because most people weren't given a platform to have this space or really have conversations around a sensitive subject such as eating disorders. 
So what I tried to do is use art as a platform for change making and really to help broaden perspectives. It helps firstly those with the lived in experiences of eating disorders to have a space to see that their voices are being heard and that their suffering is being acknowledged. It's um, one of those things that often gets hidden. Eating disorders are something that often happen in private spaces and it's one that isn't always apparent until it's too late. So having art as a way for someone to engage and see that their stories are being told is the first step. The other part of the starving artist is helping those external of eating disorders. Only one in 10 people are likely to have an eating disorder. Everyone else doesn't really understand what that one person is going through. So using art helps broaden these conversations and help them understand what these people are going through. Um, also, other than just creating awareness, what I try to do is use art as a way for change making and directly impact these people's lives. So I created a Starving Artist Scholarship Fund. So the funds raised from the art sales and the exhibitions goes towards the scholarship fund to help people access inpatient treatment. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with um, healthcare systems in general, but there's either long waiting lists to get into treatment facilities or sometimes people aren't sick enough to go inside. So often a lot of people fall through the cracks. And what I tried to do is make a small difference and get some people in as sooner as possible. So when we're thinking about eating disorders, there's normally two perceptions that come to mind. The first one is the thin and frail body. In media, this is the one that's always associated. You think of um, teen girls on treadmills um, trying to lose weight for prom and only eating carrot sticks. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have somebody with a larger body. And this one is predominantly associated with overindulgence and this lack of control and that they should be eating healthier and be cutting back. However, these are just two very stereotypical and very limited representations about what people actually go through. There is a whole spectrum within this and around this, and this is the problematic side that we constantly see. This is two voices that are being heard when there's over thousands and thousands of voices. So what the work I tried to do is first off counteract these stereotypical representations but then also realize that a lot of this is done through an outsider perspective. If we think about the people who are creating the media and putting forward these ideas again and again, it's normally, say, adult white males who are making the TV shows about teen girls with eating disorders. Or if we think about how people with these lived-in experiences, they haven't been able to have a voice. So I tried to help change that. And then also, with eating disorders, there's always a strong focus on the physical body, either too thin to function or too large to be able to possibly be healthy. And we're not really focusing on the mind-body relationship at hand because eating disorders, like all mental health issues, are one that are, is both internal and external. Um, what I tried to do is really just amplify the depth of the struggles that people go through. Like all mental health issues, it's one that doesn't go away. Food is something that we have to live with. Unfortunately, we can't cut food out altogether. So it's learning about how can we create a healthier relationship with food, ourselves, our bodies. And this has proven to be incredibly complex. 
So um, like I mentioned earlier, I am an artist, so you'll be able to see some of my artworks in the show. But what I'm going to do is walk you through a couple of them. Um, we're starting on a light note. This series, or these two paired together, is called Euphoria. Um, when somebody has an eating disorder, food is either a love or hate relationship. Often, food is used as a coping mechanism or a way for control or escape. For myself, um, I went through a really rough period at a point in my life, and every single day, work would take up my time, and school would be very challenging, and all I wanted to do was go home and eat a box of Cheerios. And <laughs> for me, Cheerios were just one thing that provided me comfort. When I had no control of the world around me, I sought comfort in the things that I had control of, and that's food. I thought that food was something that would make me happy and it would take me to a place where I can escape and be on a cloud of Cheerios. <laughs> in a sense that, you know, food has this power to shape our lives and has so much importance. When the world around me was terrible, I found comfort in something so small and yet so impactful in my life. So this series is another one called Popping Pills, Popping Bills. Um, this is just looking more so at the external impact of eating disorders, one that, you know, is constantly put in our face, this diet culture. Um, you're prescribed a pill to lose weight. You're prescribed a pill for metabolisms. You're prescribed a pill for depression because you can't keep up. And you're prescribed a pill for anxiety because all these pills are driving you crazy. And yet you become consumed. And that's what happened with me. Um, I gave in. A lot of people give in to whatever pill makes them try to achieve this beauty ideal or try to achieve happiness. And you can sink, you can drown in it, and really, like I said, eating disorders can consume you. So the next works here are called Bones and Flesh. Um, eating disorders are a very complicated relationship. But for myself, um, these works are really trying to show how eating disorders are not all bad. When I didn't have control around the world, sorry, when I didn't have control of the world around me, the eating disorder provided me that comfort and that companionship. It was something that I really hung on to and it became almost a partner and helped guide me through my life. But then in the second work, you kind of see how it starts to consume you and take over your identity. And really, you lose yourself and you lose your identity and become more so consumed by the illness. So these two works are called Worshipping the Porcelain Throne. Um, as I mentioned earlier, eating disorders are a very private illness, and you don't normally get to see the depths of the struggles that people go through. So what I tried to do is shine a light into some of my darkest moments in the hopes of other people getting a better sense of the struggle. So um, eating disorders sometimes include bulimia, which is binging and purging. So these kind of give you a little bit of insight, but it's not just trying to get rid of the food, it's trying to cope, trying to realize that, you know, I did something wrong, I need to compensate. I need to feel better, but doing these acts don't make you feel better. They make you feel worse. I scream in pain because of how bad it hurt, and yet I kept doing it because I thought eating disorders were going to make me happy and they were going to fix my problems, but they didn't. So um, just a little bit of insights from the work and really from eating disorder experiences as a whole. 
I think first off, we shouldn't shy away from art and mental health conversations and really treatment. Eating disorders and art, as you can tell, have such an intricate role and helps you better understand what people are going through. And having a visual expression kind of gives you a different perspective into understanding it and provides a space for contemplation. I think also we should handle mental health with um, the utmost care and sensitivity. Eating disorders have been one that has been predominantly associated with vanity and trying to achieve this beauty ideal. But in fact, it's one that involves a tremendous amount of suffering and we need to approach it through that way. Um, I also believe we should strive to include a diversity of perspectives in a sense that everyone has a subjective experience. It doesn't matter your race, your ethnicity, your socioeconomic status, your gender. Everyone has a relationship with food and everyone has a complex understanding and really way about going about it. So we should try to have as many people represented as possible. I think also um, one thing that has been very undervalued is the role of people with these lived-in experiences in treatment and really in these conversations. People who have had the struggles are the ones who know what it takes to get better. Only you know the way to make yourself feel better. So how can you work with treatment teams rather than them working on your behalf and not understanding you? I think that's one thing that we should try to strive to improve on. Um, I think also the last point is, as somebody who has had um, really just this label of someone as an eating disordered individual, it doesn't make us disabled. Whatever illness you have, it's one of those things that shouldn't define you. It could be a part of who you are, but you can see how much you can contribute with your own voices, and really you can make an impact. So just. Disabled is limiting. I think we should really just be more understanding of that in our conversations. So um, just the last work I'm gonna leave you guys with. Um, this one is called The Bones of Paradise. This one, at first, it leads you into this beautiful scene. Um, it's a paradise, you know, just like eating disorders. It has a quick fix. You cut out a couple calories and then you'll be able to fit into a dress or you cut out a couple of calories here or skip a meal and you feel like your life could get a little bit better. But in fact, it becomes a penitentiary of one's own making. You're stuck in a paradise. In fact, it becomes a prison. Both you and your eating disorder can start to cry. You cry because you're not getting what you want and then the eating disorder starts to cry because it's not getting what it's wants. It's an incredibly complex relationship, both food, body, mind, all of these things are ones that we have to deal with on a daily basis. So as you can see, eating disorders are not a paradise, but in fact, one penitentiary that we choose and yet we suffer with. Um, what I hope you guys take away from today is that eating disorders, like all mental health issues, are incredibly complex but perhaps by using art as a way to challenge these conversations and change our understanding, it can create systemic change. So, thanks guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our History of Medicine lecture series, Case Notes. This podcast has been brought to you by the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh. We're a charity, and if you enjoyed today's show, head over to rcpe.ac.uk backslash heritage for more information and how to donate.
Thank you.